My name is Nick. I'm the worship pastor here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Ruben, was away on a trip this last week, got back late Friday night, and I was asked to speak, and it's always an honor uh, to, to bring the word, and so I said, absolutely. So I'm here today bringing the word. If you don't like me, come back next week, and you can hear Pastor Ruben. He's, he's better than me anyway. Um, but I'm honored to, to be here today to bring the word to all of you. We're in this series called Therapy Sessions. If you're just joining us, this is week two in our series, Therapy Sessions. And in this series, we're talking about the real stuff, real things that people deal with, like the real dark places. We're going there in this series. I think next week we're talking about childhood trauma. Um, today we're talking about battling depression and anxiety. Such a real topic that all of us can relate to. Everybody in this room has been affected by this, whether personally or by somebody you know, right? It's, it's, it impacts all of us. And so today we're going to be talking about, and I like that the title is battling because it is a battle. It's a fight that you find yourself in and you've got to strengthen yourself. You've got to arm yourself with the word of God and with people around you because it is a battle. I've got my own personal journey through this, um, uh, my experience more, I've got a lot of experience in the anxiety side of things. Panic attacks, anxiety attacks, worry, fears. That's, that's what I've dealt with. Um, I haven't dealt with a whole lot of depression on a personal level. But I, I've seen how it has impacted people in my life. I can tell you I hate it. I can tell you I hate the way the devil works. I can tell you I hate how the devil gets a grip on, on so many things, so many people. Um, uh, my, my, my biological father is no longer in my life, largely due to what depression did to him. He was so wrapped up in it, it took over his life. And he's, he's no longer in my life anymore because of it. Now, thankfully, the Lord has surrounded me with people who've, who've been able to pick me up, dust me off, and help me through. But um, I hate what depression and anxiety does to people. I hate the power that it can have um, I went through my own, you know, season is through anxiety and, and panic attacks and just crippling. And so, I, so I, I understand how it feels from my personal experience. I know everybody's different, but I know that darkness. I know what that feels like. I found a quote that I think really is helpful when understanding somebody who's going through depression and anxiety. It says this. It says, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to scream. I wanted to yell. I wanted to shout about it, but all I could do was whisper I'm fine. People are going through this. They, they want, they don't like feeling this way. They're not choosing to feel this way. It's not like they wake up saying like, I want to be depressed and I want to be super anxious. They're feeling this way because it's how they're, it's what they're wrestling with, it's what they're dealing with. And yes, they want help, but maybe they've tried. Maybe they've reached out. Maybe they've asked people for help. They've asked people for advice and they've been given advice that just wasn't helpful or they felt like they were met with guilt like, well, you just need to pray more. You just need to strengthen your faith. If you, were, if you were a better follower of Jesus, if your faith was more, if you prayed more, it would go away. And so then they, they're faced with shame. Like, maybe they're right. Maybe my faith isn't strong enough. Maybe I don't pray enough. Maybe, I'm, maybe that's why I'm going through this. And so then they just, or maybe they've sought counseling and they felt like that wasn't helpful. And so then they, they just kind of clam up and they tend to isolate because they've tried. They don't know what else to do. But on the inside, they're saying, I need help. Something that we need to keep in our minds, though, as we talk about this, always keep this in our minds, but especially when we talk about this, is that you have the power of the living God inside of your soul. The power of God is in your bones. It's in you. It's in your breath. You are the fingerprints of God all over you. You see this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, the Spirit of God 
who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You have the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, accessible and in you. The power that took a dead man and rose him to life is in you. Do you understand that? That wasn't just accessible to Jesus because he was God. No, that that spirit is in you, capable of raising you from the ashes of despair. You need to believe that. You need to lean into that and hone into the fact that you have this incredible power in you, this power of God. And don't take it for granted. But I want to talk to the person who's here today who's skeptical. You're like, here we go again. I've already heard messages on depression before. You're not going to tell me anything new. I've, I've done my research. I tried to get my help. I went through counseling. I read the scriptures. I already know you're going to quote this, this, this verse to me. Some of you are sitting in your chairs. You're like, okay, how's this going to be any different? But what I want to tell you is that the word of God is fresh each and every time we read it. And although you may have been praying in this season for a long time, that season is not your destiny. Okay, it's not your destiny. And who knows, today could be different. The reality is if you keep living in that mindset of how is this going to change, this is my valley, this is where I'm going to be. If you keep living with that mindset, it's going to be difficult to get up out of it. It's, it's helpful, in fact, to, to have an attitude of like, okay, God, this doesn't have to be my forever. This doesn't have to be my story. Today could be different. The word of God is alive. It is active. The word of God is acting in my life. And you need to remain in a place of hope that God can still heal you, right? That God can still lift you out of the ashes. So don't tune me out just yet. Just allow the word of God to speak. Um, you have the power of God in you. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. These things are from God. Power, love, and a sound mind. You know what this tells me? My anxiety is not from God. My depression is not from God. My fears are not from God. Those things, unfortunately, we, are, we live in this world. You've got a flesh and you've got a spirit at war inside of you all the time. The flesh and the spirit are constantly at war and we are susceptible to the challenges of this life. We are susceptible to the darkness that we find in this world. But there is a light in this world and his name is Jesus and the light shines best in darkness. I believe that. So lean into the power of God. Lean into the fact that God has given you a sound mind. That the depression doesn't have to win. The anxiety doesn't have to win. It may win a battle every now and then, but it's not going to win in the end because you have this power of God in you. You can cast your fears to the curb because Jesus gives you the power to do so. But for those of you that are dealing with depression and anxiety, I wish I could stand here and in 30 minutes give you a perfect formula to make it all go away. But unfortunately, it's typically, there's a lot of layers There's a lot of years of hurt. There's a lot of, maybe there's some trauma that you haven't healed from and you're still working through. And that trauma doesn't just magically disappear. So I I wish I could give you a formula. Truthfully, you could be healed in an instant, but that's only by the power of Jesus. Jesus can heal any, any soul, anybody, any person, anytime he wants to. But what I can offer you today 
is encouragement. I want to encourage you to, to, to strengthen your faith in the Lord. I want to encourage you to not give up hope. I want to encourage you to keep fighting. I want to encourage you to keep seeking the Lord because your battle is not over yet. You're still alive. There's still breath in your lungs. There's still strength in your body. You're still going. It's not over yet. Turn to somebody and say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. You're still going. There's still strength in your bones. You're still alive. You're still kicking. God is still working. As I was preparing for my, this, uh, this week, I, I went through some statistics. And I want to share just a few of them that I found with you. Really heartbreaking statistics. But this first one, according to the World Health Organization, about 280 million people are suffering from depression globally. Now keep in mind, not every place in the world even has access to be able to even diagnose something like this. And then also there's a lot of people that just never seek help. They don't talk to a doctor, they don't seek help. And so this is just what's been recorded. That number is likely much higher because not everything is recorded there, right? Um, the next one, over one in five youth, ages 13 to 18, either currently or at some point during their life, have had a seriously debilitating mental illness. Over one in five. And then 63% of 18 to 24-year-olds reported symptoms of anxiety or depression, with 25% re reporting increased substance use to deal with that stress, and 25% of those saying they'd seriously considered suicide. Our world is broken. 63% of 18 to 24-year-olds. 63%. Almost three-quarters of our young adults population is dealing with this very thing. It's running rampant. These numbers are horrifying, and our need for Jesus is incredible. Chances are, if you look around this room, there's a lot of people around you who are, who are depressed, anxious, been feeling this way for a long time. They find themselves in a dark room, a dark place, and they're seeking help. They need Jesus. They need help. They need encouragement. It's all around us. I also want to just briefly cover four myths around this idea of depression because I think it's, it's helpful for us to understand what, what's true about it. So the first myth that you may have heard is depression is just sadness. Not true. Not true. Depression is not just sadness. In fact, somebody who is depressed may feel sad, but they also feel incredibly hopeless. They also feel like, why even get out of bed in the morning? They also they have no motivation. Their struggle every day is difficult. They're not just sad. It's not just about trying to make them happy. It's not trying to fix their mindset. There's a deep-rooted need that they have that they're not getting a fill for. It's not just being sad. The second one, talking about it only makes it worse. Um, you may know somebody in your life who, who's told you they're, they're going through depression or they're going through anxiety, and you may be tiptoeing around the subject with them because you're afraid to make it worse. But actually, it's, it's more harmful for them to be alone in their thoughts than it is to be surrounded with people who encourage them. Now, I will say, talking to the wrong people can make it worse. People who just make you feel bad. Um, people who don't support you, that can make it worse. So obviously, talking about it with the right people is so important. And the other thing people automatically assume sometimes is that because someone's depressed, they're automatically suicidal. Also not true. So they fear if I talk about it, I don't want to make it worse. I don't want to make them more suicidal. That's not true. You can be depressed and, and not want to die. It's, a, it's just a part of a, a struggle that people are, are going through 
all of the time, and talking about it oftentimes can help. The third one is depression happens because of a sad situation. Um, sometimes people are depressed and they don't know why. They're like, I have the job I've always wanted. I love my job. I, I have this spouse that I love. I have children. We live in a great home. I love my life, but I'm just feeling depressed. I'm just feeling low and I can't get my way out of it. Sometimes it's not based on circumstance. It's just the people can't explain it. And the fourth myth is that you can simply just snap out of it. Just adjust your attitude, just think about something happy, and you'll be better, right? Eat a few donuts, enjoy your day, try to listen to good music, try to have you know, good attitude, and you'll be better. It's not true. Oftentimes, in fact, you can be in a room full of your loved ones or your friends. You can be happy and depressed at the same time. It doesn't mean there's no joy. There's just this dark cloud that seems to never go away no matter where you're at, what you're doing, and you can't just snap your fingers and make it go away. It's deep-rooted. There's a lot of layers to it, but there's good news that I want to offer today. There's good news. There's healing and there's hope in community. There's healing and there's hope in knowing that you're not alone. In fact, it's really helpful. Find other people who have also struggled or maybe are struggling with depression or anxiety right now. Meet with them. Talk to them. They can encourage you. But truthfully, we were never meant to live independent from community. I think we as a people right now are more connected than ever before, but we're more isolated than ever before. Our relationships with one another, I mean, think back on your interactions you've had with people this week, today, or even this month. How many of those interactions went below the surface with somebody other than maybe your spouse? How many of those conversations went deeper than, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you? That's great. How was your weekend? Oh, the weekend was good. Got some stuff done with the, around the house, hung out with the kids, had a game night. It was great. And, and now it's Monday again. How many of your conversations, how many times are you real with people? And you're like, actually, this weekend was terrible. I got in a huge fight. Um, I left for a while. I didn't come back. I drank so much to try to numb the pain that I did some things that I regret. I looked at some things on my phone or my computer that I shouldn't have looked at, but I was just trying to numb the pain. I, I said some things I did. Like, how many times are your conversations with people beyond the surface? One of the things that drives me crazy is when we're not real with each other. I want to be real. I want my friendships, my relationships to be real. Something I'm trying to stop saying in the hallway is, hey, how are you doing? I'm really trying to stop saying that unless I have time to listen to how they're actually doing, right? Unless I have time to actually care and hear how they're doing. In fact, when people ask you how you're doing, your answer is usually, yeah, we're really good. Kids are doing great. Little Timmy's doing great in basketball. He made varsity. We're really excited for him. Um, they say things like, the remodel's going really well. If they're saying that, you know they're lying because remodels almost never go well. They're always... Stressful, right? So there's a key. You're like, you're lying. I know it's stressful. You just punched a hole in you all. But we're not being real. I want to challenge all of us. I did this in the last service too. I want to challenge all of us. Don't say, hey, how are you? Unless you really want to know and you have time to listen. Just say, hey, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Unless you've got time to listen, don't say it. Because you don't mean it. You, know, you don't mean it. Unless you've got time, 
just wait and just say, hey, how are you doing? Or, I mean, just say, you know, it's good to see you. Um, I think we need to be more real. Uh, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 says, Strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. He was talking about tired hands and weak knees. That's somebody who's been praying for something for a long time. They've been in a battle. They've been in a struggle. They've been going through something for a long time. And they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed. And they've sought help and they've sought counseling. And they've prayed some more. And their hands, if they're honest, they're just tired of praying for it. They're like, I've been praying for this for years. I haven't seen any change. And to be honest with you, I'm just starting to lose my patience. Pray for those people. Encourage those people. Remind them to stay in the fight, to keep praying. I'm reminded of Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel, and he's praying for that rain cloud. And he keeps praying over and over and over again, and eventually there's a cloud, and it sends a ton of rain. But it didn't come right away. And you're like, no, I know I've been praying for years. Well, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep fighting. Keep battling. And let's encourage one another to keep doing that. There's this amazing couple here at church, um, Manny and Kylie. They serve on our, our, our prayer team. Wonderful people that my wife and I have really come to know. We've had them over to our house for dinner and games. And they were talking to me in the hallway uh, a few weeks ago. And they asked me, hey, how are you and Rachel doing? And I, I think I said something to them like, you really want to know? Do you want to know the real answer? And they were like, well, yeah. And so I, I just kind of shared with them a little bit of the stuff that my wife and I were, were, were kind of going through on a personal level. And not only did they say they'd pray for me, but they prayed for me right there in the hallway. I think too many times we say, hey, I'll pray for you. And then we walk away. We completely forget. You never say another prayer for them again. But they said, we're going to pray for you right now. And they prayed for me for, I don't know, it was, it was several minutes. They surrounded me. They put their hands on me and they just, on my shoulders. And they just prayed. And I tell you, I so appreciate that. And I think that should be normal. We should have a hard time making it through these hallways because there's people just huddled in groups. Because they're like, my week was terrible. I lost my job. My child did this. My spouse did this. We're, we're getting a divorce. We're separated. We're I'm dealing with addictions, like those conversations, why aren't they happening? Because I know, you, I know we're all going through it. I know we're all going through stuff. Why aren't those conversations happening? Why are so many of our relationships surface level? It's no wonder so many of us are in a dark place and we feel alone because we're isolated. Here's the truth. Everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Just as you're fighting battles other people know nothing about, guess what, the people around you? They're fighting battles you know nothing about. A more normal question should be, how can I be praying for you right now? Because Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's scriptural. Sometimes people will say, well, I don't want to tell people what's going on because I don't want to burden them with my problems. No, you're supposed to burden them with your problems. That's the whole point. That's what we're supposed to do. So don't worry about burdening other people down. We're, we're, we're supposed to do this. In fact, you might be robbing them of a ministry opportunity of a way they can encourage you. Lift you up, bring you a meal. I don't know, do something to help you. But there's something beautiful about saying, I'm broken. Will you help me? Too many of us, we, we carry all this pride. We're like, I'll be fine. I'll just, you know, it's just a, just a rough season. I'll, I'll be all right. We'll make it through this. We'll weather this storm. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm tough. I've been through worse. 
been through something like this before, I'll just make it through it again. And, and you don't ever admit the fact that you're broken. That it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a thing to be ashamed about. Be real. Say, I'm broken. I need prayer. Listen to me. You're not crazy and you're not alone. You may feel crazy. You're not crazy. You're not a robot. You're not alone. There's so many people who are feeling just the way you feel. And you don't know it. There's so many people who, who can encourage you. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted? Do you feel crushed in spirit? God is near. He's not far. God is near. And God is often speaking in ways that we completely miss. God is encouraging you in ways you completely miss. It's not a coincidence that song came on that the radio or on your phone at that time. Don't you think God does that sometimes? It's no coincidence that your coworker said that phrase to you that stuck out to you. It's not a coincidence that someone paid for your coffee. It's not a coincidence. Don't you understand? God is working these things out. God is speaking. But oftentimes we just chalk stuff up to coincidence and we don't realize that was God. That was God trying to encourage me, help me, and speak to me. See, the Lord's always seeking you, but, but how often are you seeking the Lord? We got to seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know what? Seeking the Lord's not hard. It's not hard. It takes discipline. It takes commitment. It takes time. But it's not hard to seek the Lord. He's right here in his love letter written to you. There's his living word of God that's alive and active and still working today. It's not hard. It just takes time and, and discipline and commitment. You know, your strongest position in your battle is on your knees with your Bible open, saying these words out loud, maybe even from memory. But that's when you're the strongest. Scripture says that the Bible is your sword. It's your weapon against the dark forces in this world. It's your weapon against the enemy. So memorize this thing. Memorize some verses. Quote them out loud when you're going through dark times. And say them over and over and over again. Quote them. Speak them. There's power in that. We, we certainly need the word of God. We certainly need it because it keeps us grounded. Because oftentimes, you know, in this particular subject, depression and anxiety, they don't exactly allude to logical thinking. People are feeling depressed and anxious. They're not thinking logically. They need to be reminded of the truth. This is why Philippians chapter 4 is such a great reminder. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, it's interesting. This sounds a lot like the therapy that I received when I was going through my anxiety. It was, they would teach us um, grounding techniques. Many of you may know what those are. When you find yourself in a place of anxiety or panic, 
and you feel like your head's in the clouds, they teach you techniques to get you back on the ground. Breathing techniques, remind yourself of what's true. You know, point to five things that are real in the room, point to four things that you can taste, point to three things you can smell. Like that's a real grounding technique that I learned as I was going through my stuff. And this right here, remind yourself of what's true. Rejoice in the Lord and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. There's your therapy for the day. You're welcome. <laughs> but it's, um, it's so helpful. You need to make sure that the word of God speaks louder and more often than your anxious thoughts. Give the word of God room to work by repeating it over and over and over again. Make sure the word of God speaks louder and more often than your anxious thoughts. You've got this incredible weapon combined with the spirit of God in you. There's no battle you can't face in Jesus' name. There's no difficult situation you can't overcome in Jesus' name. But unfortunately, when you find yourself in a panic attack, anxiety attack, depression, whatever, you find your logical thinking is no longer present. It's out the window, it's gone. I wish I could find it, but it's not here. I can't think logically anymore. That's because there's a real change happening in your brain that I want to talk about right now. This is really interesting. Um, I did some research. I found this quote. It says, feelings of uncertainty can result in the prefrontal cortex in your brain shutting down, impairing your ability to solve problems, pay attention, and stay flexible. This increases your chances of engaging in irrational behavior and makes you more prone to anxiety, depression, and stress. So listen to this. So when, when somebody goes through a panic attack, anxiety attack, anxious, that prefrontal cortex, which is, it does a lot in the brain actually, but one of the things it does really well is helps with critical and rational thinking. So when the prefrontal cortex shuts down like that, the rational um, critical thinking goes out the window. Another part of your brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for emotional impulses and responses, that's what takes over. So think about it like this. So then everything that you perceive is no longer through the lens of logic and reason. Now it's through the lens of emotion and impulse. So if you've seen somebody, their eyes get really wide, they're panicked, they're worried, they're, everything is, is terrifying, the world's on fire. It's because to them, in that moment, it is. Because they can't think logically like you. So trying to, to tell them you know, to think logically, trying to remind them of what's logical and what's true, they're not hearing you. Because their reality is their emotion. And that's all that they feel. So you have to understand from their place that they have to get back down to the ground before they can understand and think reasonably. Many of you parents may have seen this with your kids. You're like, whoa, what is going on? It's going to be all right. But they're just like, you know, everything is, is, is wrong and terrible. And it's because they're thinking emotionally and not um, rationally. There's, there's two symptoms in your body. I thought this was interesting to talk about. You have your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system, these two things work really well when they work together. When they don't work together, you have things like panic. Um, listen to this, so your sympathetic nervous system is best known for its role in responding to dangerous or stressful situations. In these situations, your sympathetic nervous system activates to speed up your heart rate, deliver more blood to areas of your body that need more oxygen, or other responses to help you get out of danger. 
You know, it's, it's very primitive. It's like you've got a, an immediate threat. There's a shot of adrenaline. There your heart rate goes up. Breathing increases in order to get more oxygen to your body. It's a very good thing. It's kind of what keeps a lot of people alive. But it can serve as a kind of a difficult thing in terms of anxiety and panic. Then you have this second system, the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, it's responsible for the body's rest and digestion response when the body is relaxed, resting, or feeding. It basically undoes the work of the sympathetic division after a stressful situation. The parasympathetic nervous system decreases respiration and heart rate and increases digestion. So what happens in a panic attack, if you think about these two systems and the way that it works, when panic and anxiety set in, your sympathetic nervous system kicks into high gear. You get that shot of adrenaline into your body, so heart rate increases respirations increase because your body's trying to get more oxygen to places. All the muscles tense up. They get really tight, which, which is why they often feel like they struggle to breathe. They feel like their chest is really tight because everything tenses up. Pupils dilate. Logical thinking goes out the window. And then they're in this heightened state of panic. It's emotion and the whole body feels it. And they aren't thinking rationally. And then that, that parasympathetic nervous system is not kicking in. So everything's elevated to their body. There's an imminent threat, imminent danger right then in that moment. And it's causing them to panic. So one of the worst things you can do is say, just calm down. Just think about what makes you happy. It's going to be okay. Just don't be sad. Just don't be scared. It doesn't work. They just need you to be present. Just let them know they're not alone and that they're going to make it through this. Have them breathe. Those kinds of things are what's happening inside the body. The anxiety, it gives, this, it gives no warning. It just, it's like this unwanted guest in your home. No matter how many locks you put on your doors, no matter how much you board up your windows, it, it finds its way in. And it comes at terrible times. And you have no control until you learn you know, how to overcome it. But one of the things that you need to tell yourself is in Jesus I can overcome. I would repeat this to myself over and over again. In Jesus, I can overcome. In Jesus, I can overcome. I'd close my eyes and I would declare that with power. In Jesus, I can overcome. It's just a panic attack. Just breathe. It's going to be all right. I'm going to make it through this. And eventually, I'd calm back down. But that's, that's powerful. In Jesus, I can overcome. 1 John 4, 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That spirit of God in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You are from God. You can overcome because you have Jesus. And I'm standing here to tell you there is hope and power in the name of Jesus. That this valley that you find yourself in, this place of difficulty, this place of anxiousness, depression, sadness you find yourself in, it is not your forever story. I believe God is going to give you a testimony where you can say, that's who I was, but that's not me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been healed by the grace of God. You have this source of power in you. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, I have some personal experience, I'll just share briefly with you my story. My hope is that it gives you some hope and encouragement in what God can do. But in 2020 and 2021, I was a mess. I was an anxious mess. I, I was experiencing regular panic attacks, like weekly, regularly. I was doing hours of counseling. I spent some money doing counseling, but it helped. 
Um, I was in panic attacks. I became a regular at my doctor's office. I wish they had like a punch card system, fifth visits free. They should have had that for me because I was there so often. My doctor, you know, was such a godsend to me. Um, I'm really grateful for him. Really helped me through a lot. I wanted medication, he wouldn't give it to me. He said, I don't think you need it. I wanted testing, he said, I don't think you need it. And I'm so grateful that he did that. Um, and, and, and I thank him still to this day for uh, how he helped me through all that. I would spend hours Googling symptoms. Don't do that, by the way, it's a horrible idea. Just don't Google any symptoms ever, just talk to your doctor. Um, you, you know, your toe hurts and you have some, some uh, death illness or something. Um, so don't Google things. Every night before going to sleep, I'd fear I wouldn't wake up. I'd say a prayer every night that just kind of prepared me to maybe not wake up in the morning. Um, I carried around a pulse oximeter in one pocket and I had an inhaler in the other pocket. And I would check my oxygen level all day long. People who knew me and knew what I was going through would tell me to throw it away. My doctor said, throw it away. You don't need it. But I, I couldn't let go of it. And one day I was over at Pastor Ruben's house, we were sitting on the patio in his backyard, and I, was, I pulled out these things out, this inhaler and pulse oximeter, and I started telling him everything I was going through. And he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, you need to declare war on your anxiety. And I hadn't thought about it like that before. But he was absolutely right. So that's what I did. I declared war, and I said, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to overcome this. I don't know how, but I'm going to overcome this. And so I took that really seriously. And what I started doing as I really started leaning into the Word of God, like really leaning into the Word of God. I have so many notes in this Bible, particularly in the book of Psalms. As I look, I see words like fear, anxiety, COVID, death, worry, all over the place in my Bible with dates because it's what I was going through. But I, I clung to it, and it was like as I was reading these words in my Bible, it became life to me. It became hope to me. It became healing to me. And so I, I desperately clung to the word of God. The other thing I really did is I clung to worship music. It, it would be rare for me to listen to worship songs without breaking down in tears because I would connect with the lyric. A, a word would stick out to me. God would speak to me through a song. There were times I'd lead worship here on the weekends and I would just start crying in a song and the other singers would have to take over because I just, I couldn't do it. But I, I, I clung so tightly to the word of God and to being in God's presence. And that's when I began to feel strength. That's when I began to feel a sense of control. I felt like if I could just arm myself enough with this, I started to gain some control on what I was going through. And I started to feel like there was, God was doing something in me. And you know what's crazy? As I look back on that season now, that time now, there was like this anointing that I miss. There was this presence from the Lord that in a weird way I miss. In a strange way, I miss the, the desperation that I had of crying out to God day after day. There's a real sweetness in being desperate for God to move in your life. It's almost easier to find yourself closer to the Lord because you're just, you just, all you want is him. And you feel like, Jesus, I can't make it one minute without being in your presence. Worship music was different to me, and I miss it. I don't, I don't want to go back through that again. But there's something about me that misses the, the closeness with the Lord. And as I was writing this this week, that reminded me of this story in Luke chapter 8. There's this woman who's so desperate for a touch from Jesus. You see this in Luke 8. Uh, verse 43, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding 
and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. If you've ever been in a season of suffering, you understand this woman in a really real and raw and intimate way. Scripture says she had this condition for 12 years that said she could find no cure. Now we can assume, I don't, it doesn't say specifically, but we can assume she sought many doctors. Whatever medications were available to her at that time, she did everything that she could. She tried to find healing, and no matter how much she searched, she could find no healing. In fact, all that she felt was she continued to be in this low place. And then she heard about this man named Jesus who had been healing people. And she had some faith. Maybe I need to go meet Jesus. So she turned from everything else. She knew Jesus was going to be walking on this road. And she finds Jesus and she thinks, if I can just, there's this crowd, there's all these people around, all these distractions, everything to get in her way. She pushes her way through these people, through this crowd, and just reaches the corner of his robe. And instantly, in that moment, it was enough for this woman's bleeding to stop. It says immediately, in an instant, she was healed. Do you believe that God still heals people like that today? Do you believe that just one touch from Jesus can heal you from what you're going through, from what you're feeling? It just takes a moment. It just takes one touch from Jesus. But I think sometimes we aren't desperate. I think sometimes we don't, we don't really believe it'll work. I think sometimes we have too much doubt. And so we tell ourselves, maybe... Yeah, maybe I'll try. But I think there's, there's, there's something about desperation. There's something about letting go of all the pride. There's something about letting go of all of your doubt and saying, I'm done. And I know now all I need, the only thing, the only way I'm going to get out of this is by the power of God. And when we get to that point, God's like, now I can, now I can work. Now, I'm, now you're ready to receive what I have for you. And I think Jesus is patiently waiting for so many of us because we're just not there yet. We're just, we haven't given up yet. And I think Jesus sometimes is waiting for you to just give up and recognize it's not about you. It's not about what you can do. Your healing, your redemption story is not about your strength. It's not about how hard you try. It's about how willing are you to seek Jesus each and every day. How willing are you to let go of everything else and say, all I need, Lord, is you. And I'm going to seek your face hard as long as it takes. 
If it takes a day, if it takes a year, if it takes 10 years, if it takes the rest of my life, Jesus, I'm going to desperately search after you. And sometimes Jesus is just waiting for you to get to that point. So where are you? How much patience do you have? How much are you willing to seek the Lord and search him for healing? Don't give up. Don't give up. This woman waited 12 years and she was healed in an instant. Jesus may heal you in an instant. It may take longer. But if you find yourself in a valley, if you find yourself in a place of darkness, I want you to know there's a mountaintop on the other side of your darkness and of your pain. You may find yourself here, but there's a journey that you're going to walk through. Make sure you walk it with the Lord. There's a path for you to get from here to the mountaintop. And it may take a while, but there's a path for you. There's hope for you. There's healing for you. There's redemption for you. In the name of Jesus, this darkness does not have to be your ending. This does not have to be your story. There's a testimony of hope that you can share on the other side. But are you desperate? Are you willing? Are you ready to let it all go? Are you willing to let it all go? Say, Jesus, I want your way. I'm done doing my way. I'm done with my methods. I'm done with my selfishness. I'm done with my anxiety. I'm done with my depression. I'm done with my worry. I'm done with my fears. Jesus, I'm finally ready. Go and find him in the crowd. Get desperate for a touch from Jesus' robe and believe that in time, when the time is right, Jesus will bring healing to your life. There's a light. There's a mountain. You're going to find it. But you got to seek the Lord and search him with all your heart. Would you join me as, uh, as we pray together? Jesus, I believe that there is hope in your name. Jesus, I believe there is power in your name. I believe that light shines best in darkness. I believe that hope is available to every soul, to every person. Every struggle can be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, would you help our unbelief? Would you help those who are here in this room who are still skeptical? Would you help those in the room who are still doubting? Would you help those in the room who still don't think it's going to happen for them? God, would you make it happen for them? Would you show them how powerful you are? Would you lead them to the place that they need to get in order to receive what you have for them, the healing that they can find in your holy name? Help us overcome our unbelief. Help us overcome our doubt. Jesus, we we need you. We need you so badly, so desperately. Help us recognize that. If there's somebody in the room today, you want to give your life to Jesus. It's the best decision you'll make. You say this prayer with me right now. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. You can have all of me right now. Jesus, I ask you, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you forgive me of this life that I've lived? And I'm ready to receive your forgiveness. I'm ready to call you my Savior. I'm ready to follow you right now, Jesus. From right now, from this day forward, I am a follower of you. Jesus Christ, you are my Savior. I'm done doing things my own way. You're my God. And I will worship you, Jesus, the name that is above all names. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.